You're listening to the Mindful Biz Podcast. I'm Alison Morgan, business coach at Relauncher. This Mindful Biz Podcast episode is a little different. Joining us is registered nurse from Sydney local health district, Sarah. Sarah has been caring for COVID-19 patients here in Sydney since the pandemic began. The shift with the latest outbreak is emotional and causes a physical strain. I've invited Sarah onto the show to give us a glimpse into what the nurses are currently experiencing, an angle which we don't really hear about. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for joining us here today. How are you? I'm exhausted. (laughs) I can only imagine just through our conversations on Instagram. So before we kick into it... um, I literally, um, you are a registered nurse from Sydney Local Health District, basically in the front line at the moment with um, the COVID-19 outbreak. So thank you for your time because I know you've just worked through the night and you're about to work through the night again. Yes, (laughs) go and have a nap before work. Oh, my gosh. So how about we start off with you introducing yourself and we'll go from there. Yep, so I'm a registered nurse. I was in a casual kind of role going across a couple of wards um, last early last year before COVID-19 started. Um, I then started to get frontline emergency in the emergency room, seeing these people come in and seeing them unwell, seeing also people recover, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, and I'm now kind of a bit deeper into caring with positive um, COVID-19 patients, especially with this Delta variant, which we're seeing people just one day they're fine, not even one day, one hour they're fine, and then they're just dropping very quickly. And as you can see, the numbers in the hospital are increasing and the numbers in the ICU are increasing, and it's just this Delta strain really is making people very unwell. Yeah. How are you feeling? Like, are you exhausted and stressed or how how are you coping? Yeah, so I'm exhausted. Um, My colleagues are exhausted. We are working overtime. Most shifts I can be working 16 hours. Um, We're running out of staff because of all these lockdowns. Like, I have just come out of two weeks in isolation because a worker came to work unwell um, unfortunately made a bad decision and had to put a lot of staff in isolation so that we didn't spread it to other people to our families at home to other patients who are unwell we're exhausted because I saw that you were coming out um did you literally go straight from work straight into isolation or how did how was that done yeah, so I what was I doing? I had worked a night shift with this staff member, and um, the night after I'd worked with her, she was unwell and called in sick. I did another night shift. Um, she then came back to work unwell, um, and her tests came back that um, what's called like a not negative. So it's not that she was positive; it was not that she was negative, but she had a viral load of COVID nineteen that was enough to spread the virus thankfully she didn't spread it to any nurses or other patients um, because we're all vaccinated which is great Um, but yeah we I had a call at oh gosh 7 30 at night just as I was enjoying my wine trying to wind down for the next day and I had to go into isolation for 14 days had to pack a bag say goodbye to my husband and 
yeah, I went into isolation. So, so a typical work day for you, what are you dressed in? Like I'm sure that it's hot and heavy, yeah. completely uncomfortable. So that is yeah. stressful. What are you wearing at yeah. work? Yeah, so we go to work in what's called skivvies um, because last year when the virus first started, um, a lot of people were abusing nurses and like verbal abuse just thinking that we were spreading the virus so we go to work in like casual clothes uh we get changed into scrubs so like the cotton outfit um and fresh shoes and then all day we're wearing gown gloves the n95 masks so the really thick ones um face shields for some people goggles um and depending on where you're working a hairnet as well and then we have to change that every time we interact with someone or um, after four hours we have to change the mask and then we have to, I come home, well, get changed out of that, come home and I have a shower straight away. Yeah. I mean, that that alone with nothing else, that is stressful and exhausting. Yeah, my, I have eczema and my skin has just, I was just broken out. Skin. Like it's, yeah. my skin is like no tomorrow because it's just constantly sweating because, it's like you're wearing a plastic bag on top of you the whole time. So you're just sweating. Um, you're wearing gloves. So your hands are just sweating within the gloves or you're just constantly washing hands and using hand sanitizer. So that skin um, is breaking down. You're wearing a mask that you can hardly breathe in. And once you've been sweating, like there's some days where you're sweating so much it's just pouring down your face and you're still wearing the goggles and the mask and you get home and you're dehydrated like no tomorrow because we don't really have a lot of time to eat and drink on the shift. How long are your shifts? So, yeah. I know they're long and then they want you to do overtime. Yeah. Staffed. Yeah. Yes. So normal shift is between 8 and 12 hours, um, but recently a lot of us, like the last well, three months, a lot of us have been doing 16-hour shifts and we can do, I've done some days where I've done four 16-hour shifts in a row and then only had one or two days off and then back into it again. It, yeah, it's it's exhausting and it, it really is getting to the point. And like we were saying about this March, that everyone was out there and exposing so many people, it it just I, it broke me. It, it broke me to see that there was these people who just didn't believe the virus was real, didn't believe that, masks and the separate like the 1.5 meters held and I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen because um we are seeing that it takes about two to five days for this virus to infect people so I mean that's only going to be a couple more days and we'll start to see what has happened from so this March <sighs> What's your role? Like, what what are you actually doing on the day? Like, how? What is your yeah? Role yeah. So, so we are seeing like a ward. So we're seeing these people coming in from either the community or health hotels. We're making sure their obs are okay, sending them for chest X-rays if need be, bloods. Um, I mean, the, the ICU nurses. I take my hat off to them. I I did a stint there, but I just it's heartbreaking they're um they're watching these people who are on ventilators 24 7 they're making sure that they're getting enough oxygen that their body's perfusing so the blood's 
pumping through. And then it's getting to points where these ventilators, so literally air being pumped in and out of your lungs is not enough for these people and they're dying like it. I don't think people realise how serious this disease is and how much it's affecting people um, who have like respiratory issues or even no underlying issues and they're just being unable to breathe one minute or their heart rate's up in the 180s where it's normal 60 to 80 beats or their blood pressure's just dropping so they're unable to actually stay conscious. So, so it's yeah, with, with this variant, is yeah. that the, the situation can change very, very quickly. Very, very quickly. We're seeing people become infected and they're fine and they're well to almost like an hour later they're being like, well, not feeling great to almost an hour later them being either unconscious or needing to go to the ICU. So that some people get to the point where the oxygen, the ventilator is not enough, and then they move on to this. It's called ECMO. Is that, is that how you say it? Yeah, ECMO. Yeah. So just yeah, it is. Like that. So the ventilator pumps air into your lungs, and we can change how much carbon dioxide is coming in and out. ECMO is like the step up, and we don't have a lot of ECMOs in Australia. We don't we don't really use them as much because it is kind of like a last resort. So we do have a few, yes, but we don't have as many ventilators as we have. So we can't put everyone onto ECMO. And ECMO really is the last resort, which is devastating when you see it. Mm. And like in a on a normal time, you may see like two years ago, we may have seen one person on ECMO every six months, maybe. Whereas we're seeing it used more and more often at the moment. Yeah. And people, I think, I feel people are forgetting this, that people are still getting unwell, like it's winter. So people are still having asthma attacks. People are still getting the flu and becoming unwell from the flu, which we we typically see and which is what we plan for. But now on top of that, we have this virus that is just pulling everything from everyone and respiratory and and it's spreading so quickly. So where we would have like a respiratory ICU ward, we're having to create COVID wards away from that because obviously it, it infects people very quickly. So, I mean, look, you know, a lot of people say that they wait for the numbers to come through each day, you know, the 11 o'clock, which literally just hit ding mm. as we yeah. jumped on then. Um, how do you feel when these numbers come through? Because they're, they're just, they're big and they're not going <laughs> yeah. down. Yeah, no. Is we're not seeing any form of end in sight. Mm. So how do you? Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, we're definitely feeling it, and the number that is scaring us is the infectious in the community. Yeah, because they could have been in the community for five days when they were infectious, and it's it's that exponential infection rate that they may go out and infect five people, but then those five people go and infect another five people and it's just spreading so quickly, which is what we can see across what this started in Bondi and it's now in southwest Sydney. Like we can see how it's spread. But those numbers are not coming down. The infection rates aren't, the infectious people in the community aren't coming down. And after, like I was saying, after that protest, I really do feel it's unfortunately going to jump because there were so many people in such a small area without masks, without social distancing, yelling, like all of these things that are spreading the virus and they've just then taken it home to their family or I saw 
um, someone saying, oh, we're doing this for our children. And I was like, but if you are now infectious and you're taking this home to your child, this is affecting young people. Like we're seeing 20-year-old fit. I saw this one guy who was a marathon runner. Um, oh, sorry, where did you go? That's all right. Yep. So, um, yeah, he was a marathon runner. Like he'd run, he would be doing 20Ks on the weekend. Like he just ran. And I saw him one day and the next day he was on a ventilator. Like a young fit, 20, no past medical history, no nothing that he would ever expect this to happen. And he has machine breathing for him now. Like it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to hear people dying. It's heartbreaking to see the aged care facility. Like I can't go visit my grandparents in an aged care facility and they're getting old and like I, they just are unable to go out. They're having cabin fever because no one can come in. They're short staff, so they're not getting the proper care that they need. And we're, yeah, we're all exhausted. I bet you are. So, I mean, what, ha- I don't think even you've got the answer, but, you know, like, let's just say from this rally, you know, we have a, mm. have a super spreader event, which means more people in the hospital. I mean, what happens when you're already short staffed? It, it becomes dangerous. It becomes dangerous for other people in the hospital because we're having to pull staff from other wards, so orthopaedic staff or, I mean, we're everywhere. We're pulling stuff from everywhere and that people are going to um, emergency where they've never worked in emergency or they're coming to the COVID ward and we're having to explain them the right procedures of what to do whilst trying to care for someone whilst also being understaffed. So it's not just that we have this understaffed, like, pandemic, but we're also then having to teach other people who then could potentially breach and spread the virus. Yeah. And you sleep deprived. And I think, yes, and sleep deprived, like, no tomorrow. Yeah. I can see by looking at you. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just, I'm exhausted. exhausted. I mean, I, um, so this time last year whilst Dad was, unwell so my dad had pancreatic cancer and I stopped working in COVID when he was unwell because it was way too risky um but I got married a year ago and my husband and I still haven't even gone on a honeymoon or gone away because I've been working so much and I feel bad for trying to take a holiday I feel bad if I have to have a sick day I feel bad if I am exhausted but you keep showing up for your patients because they probably didn't go out and do the wrong thing. Someone else potentially has done the wrong thing and infected them and they're now having the consequences for it. And I'm asthmatic, which puts me in a high-risk category, Um, but I'm still going out there every day doing the right thing and helping these people because we're in this weird time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it comes back to this. Com- this is a conversation that I had with a lot of my clients because they're in the kind. They're in, a lot of them are in the health and wellness industry. Mm. Is who cares for the carers? You know, and a lot of people don't think about that unless you're in the industry. Yeah. And yeah. It's it's so tough. It's so tough. Oh yeah. And as we said, not knowing what's around the corner or any dates involved makes it like how long is this yeah. going to go on for? So I just want to ask a question. Like yeah. with the people that are coming into the hospital, um, 
you're seeing them come in younger and younger and younger. Like what what kind of age brackets, like what what's the youngest that you've seen come through? Uh, the youngest that I saw come through who had symptoms and was affected, I mean, we've seen children come yeah. in. They're not being, I haven't seen them ventilated, thankfully, but they're still becoming extremely unwell. And with this Delta strain, we're finding people are fainting and having a lot of gastrointestinal issues, so a lot of diarrhoea and vomiting, which people are like, oh, I didn't know that was a symptom. And that's what we're seeing. And these people are fighting this virus of the Delta strain COVID-19. They've got the symptoms of the vomiting and diarrhoea and they're needing to be hospitalised for it. But it's not just the vomiting and diarrhoea that we're having to treat. It's this underlining virus that it's a weight kind of you have to wait and see and kind of assist the body where needed but it's it's that they don't just have the virus or they don't just have diarrhea it's the combination of the symptoms that they're having on top of the virus that they're fighting which is making it um yet really tough to see and it's having then if a kid comes in and family a family member has to come in and care for them because we can't care for a child as well and obviously it's quite traumatic for children um but we're seeing people in their teens like early 18 19s coming in unwell um and these are like fit young men like I would never expect to see them in this situation and they're just crumbling yeah are you seeing more men than women come through I know that that's not really um a trend at all I was just interested to yeah I am seeing a lot of men and a lot of yeah a lot of um fit men which nice. is yeah it may just be what we're seeing in our hospital yeah, it's right. not yeah um but we're still seeing the elderly becoming unwell and we're seeing I mean the people that died um yesterday it was brought home from a family member like I just I think about that every day when I come home to my husband after work. And I'm like, am I bringing the virus home yeah. to him? Like I leave my shoe, I leave my shoes at work so they're not even coming in, but we get swabbed every day, um, which if <laughs> anyone complains about swabbing, become a COVID nurse and you, it becomes second nature, which yeah. I find reassuring and we get our, our results pretty quickly, which is great. But it's still in the back of your mind every single day. Am I bringing this home to my husband? Am I bringing this home to my family? Yeah. And thankfully I only live with my husband who, again, is fit and healthy, but even he could come to it. But I know people who have four kids at home mm. and they're worried about that or they're caring for their mother and or father and I just it keeps me awake at night thinking yeah. about it. All right. So, look, beyond what we already know, in terms yep. of you know, we need to be wearing masks, keeping the distance, all that kind yep. of thing. Is there, is there anything that you feel like perhaps the message hasn't come across strongly enough through the media? Yeah, I think getting tested. Like I personally feel if even if you leave your house, you should be getting tested at least once a week. Like the testing is what's picking it up. And we see people who don't have symptoms at all, don't even know they're infected, and they're as we're seeing it comes home and spreads it to the family. And, like, I don't think they're pushing enough. I met someone earlier this year um, and she'd never been tested. I was like, what do you mean you've never been tested? We've been in a pandemic for over a year now. She's just like, oh, I never felt I needed to. And I was like, even if you just have a a sniffle, not even a sniffle, like gastrointestinal issues, 
you would never have known that. And I had a friend go, oh, I've had a bit of diarrhea and I'm not I'm not feeling like feeling a bit faint. And I was like, they're symptoms of COVID. You need to go and get tested. Yeah. Just to, I, yeah. I only found that out like two weeks ago, the diarrhea. I, I had no yeah. idea. Yeah. And so like that's what we're seeing. People have no idea and they're not getting tested because they think it's something else. Oh, I've eaten something that was bad or whatever it may be. Um, but I definitely do think we need to test more increased testing numbers um and it's just also like mental health like making sure you're checking in on everyone else because we've seen a lot of um people's mental health decline recently especially with this delta strain um just having that it's that no end in sight um and yeah it's just keep thinking that you're doing it for someone else like even the un like these people that were protesting, it's like we're trying to get freedom for our children or our family or whatever it may be, but it's like this virus. Yeah. It's it's the virus is affecting so many people and not old people anymore, young people. If you're protesting for your kids, you could actually just bring it home and infect your kids and make them unwell. Yeah. And not every hospital is set up to um care for people. Just the major hospitals are. Some of the minor hospitals have wards, but as soon as people start to deteriorate, they're having to be transferred. But also we're still having people come in unwell. We're still having women have babies. We're still having people have car accidents, heart attacks, strokes. So we still have that normal issues of the hospital. But now on top of this, we're having a virus that we're having to close wards and open up into COVID wards. We're having to create positive and negative pressure rooms so that the virus is staying in the room if people are infected and yeah is there a bed shortage at all at the moment there's not a bed shortage but we are changing a lot of wards so I think if depending on what these numbers are going to do we may go back to the same as last year of no elective surgeries because we're needing more beds. Um, I mean, the ICU, there's only so much we can move around in ICU to make it COVID safe and have room for people who are having the strokes and the heart attacks mm-hmm. um, or major accidents. Um, we're changing respiratory wards, which is difficult in winter when people are still having respiratory issues and COPD and all the common ones into COVID wards because they've got the specialised rooms but we're still needing that ward somewhere else. So it's a lot of I really feel for the hospital, (laughs) the major hospitals having to work all of this out because it must be a nightmare trying to work out what's going to be the safest option to have all these COVID people, COVID positive patients in a safe space for everyone but then also having to have these wards um, and like having vulnerable people away from COVID so there's potentially no chance of a crossover. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of miss, like it's a puzzle that they're, I feel, working out every day, trying to work out where we're going to put patients and coming in and how they come in. Like I unfortunately ended up in um, a hospital last week after having an asthma attack, which is just an unfortunate fact of being an asthmatic and in winter. And I, because I was in isolation, had to go into the COVID ward. And I was thankfully negative. But seeing kind of what 
is going on in there and seeing how the staff are just, they're run off their feet. And like almost as soon as they got me settled and breathing, which was great, like three positive patients came in and I had to run off and tend to them. And thankfully I am a nurse, so I knew kind of what to do for myself and understand what was going on. But if you have no idea what's going on and you're just becoming more and more unwell in and out of consciousness and just being in this room where these people are completely covered, it would be terrifying. Oh, my gosh. Is it, is it, is it frantic or is everyone like they, they, uh, they know how to, they obviously know how to deal in a crisis? But like, what's what's the the vibe from the from the nursing nursing staff and the doctors? It's it's kind of like it's not frantic. We know what's going on, and we we can see kind of now that we've had the Delta strain around for long enough, we can kind of predict how patients are going to go. Not everyone goes how they're going to go, um, but it definitely feels that like that that vibe we used to have, where we'd be like joking around and having a chat here and there that's definitely changed we're not having that anymore um our where we do handovers has completely changed because we have to have like the numbers like we still have to abide by the certain number of people in certain rooms Mm. um and like our yeah it's just like the vibe of it is definitely changing and like I said I think everyone's just so exhausted by it that we're kind of just chugging along the best as we can yeah Oh, my goodness. So are you, are you doing another night shift tonight? Uh, yes, going to what's going to like afternoon night. So I start at 3, three o'clock and I'll finish at 7 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, so and then we'll see what tomorrow brings. I may pick up another night shift, another like afternoon night shift. You just you feel for everyone else and like I don't want to put someone else in a position where they're understaffed. So, yeah. like, a, I think that's a thing that a lot of nurses do. We really do put ourselves out there a lot because we've got this innate nature of caring for people and we don't want someone to be understaffed and we know what it feels like to be understaffed, so we don't want someone else to be in that position. So we try and help as much as we can, but there is a breaking point <laughs> for, yeah, for sure. everyone. And I've, I've seen a lot of nurses recently transition out of um the area um and either go into another ward or completely out of nursing and it's I'm almost at a point that I'm either gonna have to take a break for a couple of months and focus on my business or um I think it would just become a point where I won't be able to do it anymore because it's just it's not what I imagine this year to be or last year to be well no one signed up to it you know no one went into this um career thinking that they would have to ever deal with something like this that's yeah yeah it's not like we did midwifery or orthopedics or emergency or whatever it may be it's just something that we never expected and it's changing like it wasn't like this last year we it's it's a virus so it's constantly changing yeah. yeah Are you just one last question? Because I know you've yeah. got and so do I. But yeah. when when you do go to sleep, are you dreaming about your day at work or the virus, or are you just knocked out cold? Yeah, I hear the monitors all night long. Yeah. I hear the buzzers. Yeah, you can hear if you've ever been in a hospital and like someone's odds drop it alarms. 
And I hear that constantly. Um, thankfully, I now live by the water, which is great because I kind of go for a walk where I can and the sound of the ocean really does help to just zen you out. Um, but, yeah, I dream about it all all the time and thinking about it all the time and because you're kind of working in the area, I get calls all the time from family and friends just I was exposed to this or I've got this symptom or I've got X, Y and Z and it just, it never stops. No, never stops. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, look, you're, you're doing an amazing, amazing, amazing job. I'm sure there's times Thank when you. you're asking yourself and just, yeah. Yeah, I what mean, you do. And what you're going through yeah. is just, yeah, so extreme. Thank you. Yeah. And that's like what we were saying about this protest. It it just almost like feels like they were mocking us, like it, they were throwing it in our face. And it it just, it, yeah, it broke me. I can't talk for anyone else, but I know it broke me. I mean, that, they just didn't know what they were doing. You've just got to, there's just no words. No Yeah, words. yeah. I agree, yeah. Um, and, and just thoughtlessness of how this impacts yeah. People. Yeah, it does. Sarah, thank you so much. No, thank you. Thanks for the I mean, you you could have been sleeping, you could have been <laughs> you You're helping us understand this from a different point of view. So thank you so much because, you no, know, that's right. as you know, we just hear things through the media um, and numbers, but yeah. Not, not through someone that has been actually experiencing this on a daily and nightly occasion. So yeah. you are you are truly, truly, truly amazing. Truly amazing. Thank you. Thank you.